care if he is a fancy pants secret agent. This is without exception the worst way to make a martini. Just saying. Hello friends, welcome in to this edition of Fusebox number 109, aptly titled Who to Thunk It and more on that in a bit. And I am your been waiting on the bus so long host, Mark Rose. And uh, over there, resplendent in, uh, is that a uh, Ilsa She-Wolf of the SS t-shirt you're yeah, wearing? Yeah, I, uh, I just thought I'd start the year off with some authority. You know what I mean? I'm not taking any prisoners this year. Or if I do, I'm, I'm changing my methods of interrogation. <laughs> wow. You're not messing around this year. That's right. The dulcet tones of the high priest of potentiometers, milk canes, everybody. Thank you kindly. Well, friends, today is a very special day for us here at Fusebox, ladies and genitalia. We are- Doing the show sober for the first time. (laughs) Well, I said special, uh, not impossible. Yes, sir. That is the kind of biting humor that's made Fusebox the most important part of a healthy breakfast for five years. I still can't believe it, bro. <laughs> believe it or can't, Mr. Keynes, but it's positively true. Our little show here is... Now, has it been five years, or are we going into our fifth year? Well, I I was about to say, our little show is uh, now going into its fifth year, ladies and geraniums. Wow. Indeed. Does it feel like five years to you, or... uh... Honestly, uh, sometimes it feels like ten years. (laughs) (laughs) I hear you, bro. You know, I I get the same feeling any time I go to Utah. It's like, uh... I spent a month in Utah last weekend. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I know. I get it completely. Uh, totally. For, for me, uh, Florida has that uh, same effect, you know? Well, hell, amigo. Uh, happy anniversary. Why, thank you. And uh, happy anniversary to you as well. And to uh, Jeff Pollard and uh, the entire wonderfully talented and generous cast and crew here. The, the happiest of anniversaries. Because uh, believe me, folks... It absolutely does take a village to raise... An idiot? (laughs) Why, Mr. Keynes, are you calling Fusebox, our beautiful child, an idiot? (laughs) Hey, if the street jacket fits. (laughs) No, but seriously, do you ever think we'd make it this far? Well, you know, to be honest... Uh, hold that thought, bro. Um... I, I I got something that I want to try on the show. What? You mean now? On our very special once-in-a-lifetime fifth anniversary show? Come on, admit it. You don't have anything special planned for the show, do you? Uh, no. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't think so. Well, why start now, right? <laughs> yeah, why commemorate a milestone show by, uh, oh, I don't know, uh, actually planning something out, you know? Precisely. Hey, you don't get to be where we are by having a plan. You know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> well, well, look, here's my, um, okay, I, I've been thinking. Oh, God, no. <laughs> Dude, I hate thinking as much as the next guy, okay? But, uh, but seriously. Yeah? I, I've been thinking, and I, and I figured uh, maybe I should, uh, you know, maybe contribute more to the show. 
I mean, you and Pollard do most of the work as far as, you know, writing and acting, and he does the cover art, and you host the show and do all the social media crap, and, and, and shit, there's all the damn actors to wrangle and deal with. Christ. Actors. Seriously, bro. D- dealing with those prima donnas is, is a full-time job in itself. <laughs> well, well, I, I, I guess sometimes it can uh, be a bit of a challenge remembering all their uh, idiosyncrasies. Well, for instance, uh, Sam Mowry prefers left-handed mics. Aaron Lane uh, likes to record in the lotus position, naked, which... I guess wouldn't be a big deal, except she expects everyone else to be naked, too. And then there's Bob Sterry. He, he insists on doing everything with an English accent. Uh, Eric Newsom will only record on even-numbered Tuesdays. Jeff wears pink bunny slippers. Uh, let's see. Oh, well, the, the video vixen. She always wears skin-tight rubber latex or leather, which squeaks when she moves so editing her is a uh, a challenge, uh, of course. Let's see uh, who else? Uh, oh, Laura Dine flosses her teeth between uh, every take. Sabra May won't perform if anyone wears red. Uh, Jody Lorimer has to have a dream catcher in the booth. That's what I mean, bro. Actors. Yeah, but you know what? It's nothing compared to our own fuse box stable, you know? Holy carp, Ted Trentwell alone is enough to, 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 to make a nun cuss like a teamster. And I don't think Arson Bitsnatcher has been sober since the Reagan administration. And then there's you. Well, you, you're afraid of Juicy Kibble, a little kid. I mean... Hey, she's the Antichrist, dude. That little chick scares the holy bejesus out of me. Seriously, she has murder in her eyes, bro. (laughs) M-U-R-D-E-R. Only towards you, though. No, she's she's just very uh, determined and uh, focused. Well, sure. You gotta be determined and focused when your plan is to take over the world. Hey, look, with everything these folks offer us in their time, talent, and generosity, I'm I'm more than happy. To accommodate. Well, I'm totally with you, bro. I'm just saying you do a lot around here. Pollard too. So I so I just thought I might do more to help out besides pushing buttons and, and turning knobs, you know? Oh, oh, you do a whole lot more than that, my friend. You're just as an important piece to the fuse box mosaic as uh, everyone who has ever blessed us in uh, this here booth. It just wouldn't be the same show without you. And we're very, very fortunate to have you here, Milt. Really and truly. If you try to hug me, I'll punch you in the neck. I'd rather spoon a porcupine, my prickly friend. That's better. <laughs> so, what, pray tell, is your idea for this uh, special show? I think we need to interview Mark Rose. Oh, no. Really? I tell you what. Let's not and say we did. No, I think our listeners might like to know a little bit more about the show's host. I mean, hell, man, you're the face of Fusebox. Which is a good thing since we're a podcast. I see what you did there. (laughs) Did you see what I did there? (laughs) I see what you did there. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, well, uh... But but I want to change up the interview format. I mean, I I dig our interviews. We've had some damn interesting guests, and uh, you, sir, are a first-rate interviewer. Well, well, why, thank you. But I think we can make it uh, more, I don't know, fun. Fun? You know, lighter. So, yeah, I think fun is the right word. Uh Uh-huh. Now, I know you hate spur of the moment. Hell, I never met anyone who lays out their socks the night before, but okay. Anyway, my idea is to do a sort of a non-traditional interview with you. Okay. So, yeah. What the? Uh, oh, sorry. <laughs> I have a I have a prop I built to, uh, you know, 
uh, make it more fun? Yep, make it more fun. So, uh, what do you, um, what, what is that thing for, exactly? It's simple. I spin this wheel, and whatever number it lands on will be the number of questions I ask you. But, uh... And, if you refuse to answer any question, you have to face the spatula. Face the spatula? What the hell does that... You can choose not to answer a question, but if you don't answer, then I smack you in the neck with the spatula. I see. And is that the uh, fun part? You were talking about? Well, it's fun for me. Uh-huh. Yeah. <laughs> I'm guessing alcohol was involved when you came up with this idea, huh? I ain't gonna lie, bro. There might have been one or twelve cocktails involved. Uh-huh. So what do you say? Are you game? Why not? Now you're talking. You know, I can't believe I'm agreeing to this. Just answer the questions and you'll be okay. Otherwise... You look like you really enjoyed that. You also look like you've had a little practice. Just answer the questions and... Just spin the wheel. Here we go. Uh, I don't suppose I can have a peek at the questions first. You know, just... Not a chance. Eh. I didn't think so. Twenty-seven. The wheel has spoken. It says I get to ask you twenty-seven questions. Yeah... Uh, about, about that wheel, um... Silence! The wheel has spoken. The wheel is a stupid face. All right, question number one. What did you know, and when did you know it? Wait, that's two questions. And what do you mean, what did I know, and when did I know it? When did I know what? I don't understand the question. Silence! The wheel has spoken. You have ten seconds to answer, or... Face the spatula. Right, right, I get it. Uh... Five seconds. Okay, 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 I'll answer, I'll answer. What did I know, and when did I know it? I knew it was going to be a clusterfuck, and I knew it November 8, 2016, when Orange Guy was elected. Final answer. Very good. Very good. All right, question number two. How do you feel about Fusebox going into its fifth year? That's a great question. Going into its fifth year, indeed. A a little surprised, I'd have to say, right out of the box, because uh, uh, who knew? Surprised? Surprised that we got five years going here. Yeah, it's it's quite amazing. You know, and the, the, the story I like to tell is that this program was started as therapy. We've said it many, many times, and uh, it continues to be therapy. But I, honestly, it has really blossomed into a, a remarkable platform for for both of our uh, uh, twisted imaginations, but also just working with the with the folks that we have over the over the uh, ensuing five years, it's just been uh, a delight, and so that uh, therapy thing expand on that. Well, you know, originally I started this show because I needed to keep my production chops up because basically a lot of the work that I do from day to day does not require me to create the sound of a guy who's being absorbed by a building. You know, I don't get that commercial gig too often. So even though there may be the stray, uh, you know, game voice or something like that, that's not quite the same discipline that's required for the kind of show that we do. And I haven't really been challenged that way for quite some time. And so needed to find something that allowed me to use all of the uh, quote, end quote, talents (laughs) that I have and uh, keep them keep them fresh, you know, and I've found repeatedly, at least in my life, that no one gives me the tougher assignments that I give myself. So uh, it just seems that, uh, you know, this was a great, just a great platform for that and, um, and continues to be. Well, congratulations. You actually just blew through question three with that answer. Oh, (laughs) great. I feel so, so light. Okay. You're actually ahead of schedule. Oh, good. All right. Question four. What are the challenges to doing a Fusebox show? Well, besides working with me. Yeah, that's the biggest one. 
Um, <laughs> prima donnas and all that. Um, the, I, you know, uh, I'd have to say that timing is the, is the challenge. Not because we're working with other people as much, although that can be a consideration, certainly. Most of the time, it comes down to what's going on in this world that I inhabit and how do I fit this into a, a comfortable place for production? Because I don't want to do something half-assed. I don't want to do... Th- I'm picky. No, you want whole ass. Whole ass. I want whole ass, you know. And uh, I, I, I like to have the flexibility of time to be able to do that. And uh, so sometimes that's, that's a challenge. So you're a perfectionist. I'm, I'm afraid so. I'm sorry. For you, then, it's uh, the time it takes to do a show is the challenge because uh, of everything you put into it. Yeah. Question five. Is there anything you know now about doing a podcast you wish you knew then? Um, yes. <laughs> and again, does this have anything to do with me? <laughs> Other than the wish that you had been on board in 2005, but that was not to be. Um, yeah, I, 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 I would have to say that there's a... There's a part of what we do on this program now that a philosophy or a discipline, if you will, that's always existed, you know, far back as I can remember. But when you're dealing with other people in other geographical locations, as as the show was back then, there were certain red flags with one or two of those parties that were connected to it having very grandiose ideas about what podcasting actually meant and what it could be. And that means monetizing and all of that stuff, which is very difficult. It's Today, even now, it's still very, very difficult to do. We're working on it, but it's still very, very difficult to do. All righty. Question six. What were impressions and or concerns about working with me? <laughs> Besides me being just too damn sexy for a podcast. <laughs> I know it's 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 almost too much to reckon with. It really is sometimes, you know. Well, other than the fact that we didn't know each other at all, that would have been one consideration and I didn't know how you might take to something like this, but the thing that evolved over the uh, ensuing years, and it's I think is really demonstrable. If if someone wants to go back and listen to those early shows, you you get you get a little peek into someone becoming more and more comfortable in in the role that you were in. Because I think that when you first came into this, you were thinking of it very technically and. Very professional. Everything... Just turning knobs and pushing buttons. Absolutely. And I think that's great. I was keeping that door open, hoping... Because I knew I needed someone. Yeah. And I, I, I would prefer that they would be someone to interact with me. And, and I think that's what happened over, over the course of time. I think the... Uh, I think the relationship there just sort of blossomed, yeah. you know? Because I never had any doubt about your, your technical abilities. That was... Your resume reads like a who's who in ancient broadcasting. But anyway, it's still uh, very valid. Yeah, I just figured at the top there that uh, if I just keep the tech side clean, you know, be reliable and shit, that was probably what you needed. Yeah. But uh, like you say, as time went along, uh, I think we found our spots in this thing. Right. And hey, amigo, you really did. You made it really easy for me to want to weigh in on things and, you know, create a banter. Stuff. That's good. That's great. Yeah, no, I think that's really important. Um, I mean, it's really easy to do, a, quote, a show that is very show, and you don't get anything from about the, uh, about the people who are involved in it or any of their, their past or whatever. Part of what makes uh, podcasts interesting to many people uh, is the fact that you get to know somebody. You get to experience them a little bit. And... Uh, in the case of this situation, people got to know the both of us. <laughs> yeah, whether they wanted to or not. Correct. <laughs> so, uh, question seven here. Which of the characters that you perform is your personal favorite to play? I'm going to tell you, and it's going to be, it, it, this may surprise you. One of the, my favorite characters to do, particularly recently, is Problem Man. <laughs> Mainly because it represents... The most surreal aspect of of a type of comedy that I like. Now, I know that's not everybody's cup of tea, but it's really fun to play against the surreal. 
when the situation is so completely preposterous that you have to maintain a certain seriousness about the fact that you're about to be absorbed by a building or whatever. The, those sort of situations are fun beyond belief to, to, uh, to do. And there really isn't much of a character difference there, but it's so fun to play that. You know. you know, that would have been my guess. Because mm. uh, getting to know you over these past five years, I, I would totally get that uh, that one is right in your wheelhouse, man. So uh, let me ask you this then. Do you have a favorite Fusebox character or bit? And if so, what makes it special or uh, funny to you? Oh, there are so many. Um, yeah, I knew this was going to be a hard question. Yeah. It is because there's 108 of them. Um, there are so many uh, terrific things. I I have to say that uh, you know the uh, the the Christmas clip show. We're fond of calling it a clip show, but the clip show we usually do at the end of the year features things from uh, the past shows or uh, of recent stuff. And uh, uh, Jeff actually had suggested that we we do the 12 days of Timo, and I thought, well, this is this is great because Timo's world is a very Big, one would say, big yeah. part of our show uh, when he appears, and uh, he's just—it's a great character. And uh, the the, uh, the last bit that we um, we put on the on the uh, clip show was uh, something called Sushi Tsunami, where uh, Timo goes to a sushi bar. Yeah, that's my fave too, bro. Of all the Timo's world bits, it's uh, it's definitely strong. And and again, I and I'm always quick to point out that what makes it for me, doubly interesting is that no one is speaking English in this thing. As a matter of fact, they're not speaking a language that's actually understood by anybody. Uh, it's it's all conveyed through, uh, you know, the international language of animation. So it's all about intention. And I think that really sells. I think it sells really well. And uh, it was, it, it's just, it's it's a fun, fun bit to uh, to listen to. Has there been a favorite or most interesting guest for you to interview? Oh man, yeah, I uh, a couple of them come to mind right off. We uh, let's see, we did an interview in what uh, 2016, I think, with uh, L. Stanger, who uh, is a political activist, writer, a stripper, a mom, a mom, and uh, just a really bright gal, and she had some uh, things to say about the whole adult entertainment business that was eye-opening, for sure. <laughs> she was also uh, uh, very instrumental in getting several laws passed regarding uh, the adult industry. Yeah, she was she was fabulous, and uh, and then and then also, uh, I think another highlight was an interview that uh, we did with the heir apparent to the Ed Wood estate, Bob Blackburn, who uh, shared all sorts of fascinating things about Ed Wood as well as uh, Bob's longtime friendship with uh, Ed's widow, Kathy. Yeah, both of those were standouts. But I got to say, Elle was a whole lot more fun to look at. Well, yeah, I, I would agree there. We we had the pleasure of having Elle in the studio here for the interview. So I'm uh, sure old Bob is cute in his own way. <laughs> so, question 11. What initial reaction to the show, good or bad, surprised you the most? Uh, another great question there, Milt. Uh, the, well, the I have my moment. Yes, 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 you does. This is it. <laughs> um, surprised me. I um, you know, we've we've had some some cover art. <laughs> yes, we have <laughs> uh, on this on this program that I would have thought. It, particularly in one case, uh, would have elicited, um, I wouldn't say necessarily um, violent upheavals or anything like that, but uh, there was a Donald Trump cover we did that involved uh, the swastika very cleverly emblazoned on his head. Well, first of all, it was one of the better covers we've done, but I also thought that it it would have incited more uh, conversation, and I think people were just sort of... Negative conversation, right? Yeah, maybe. Yeah, negative or, you know, whatever, but more interaction. And I was surprised that it really didn't, which told me uh, something else, that maybe they were in agreement. <laughs> so, That's so, Because right. uh, didn't we see a spike in downloads when that— Oh, yeah. Oh, every as a matter of fact, every time there is a, a orange guy cover, 
there's a little more activity and engagement for some reason. I can't explain it. Can you? Anyway, uh, so so that one in particular was like the first time we'd done that, you know, and uh, it, it definitely did because, you know, I, I still say, I've always said that the cover art on these things definitely reflects the, if not the actual internal subject, because let's face it, folks, sometimes I don't know what the internal subject is, but... But these things that, that depict especially stuff like that and where we are talking about something like that uh, really reflect the energy and intention of, of, uh, of a show. It's really an important feature. It's not to be, not to be downplayed. I don't know some folks just sort of do a wapdash kind of cover art thing, but uh, that's always been uh, very, very important here on the show. You know, because, again, back, back in the early days, I, I think we may have an interview with Jeff back like in uh, – show three or four, you know? Yeah, 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 I remember that one. Where he was talking about, uh, quote, branding the show, which, you know, is is critical, <laughs> frankly, for anything these days. Even even the president has to brand himself. You know, old Pollard doesn't get too excited about much, but uh, branding and baseball, and that's about it. I had the same reaction you did when I saw that cover art. First thing was like, hell yeah, I agree with it. Right behind that was, uh... So moving on, then. What was the personal highlight for you during the show's run? Oh, highlight. Well, there, uh, certainly have been many, many, many highlights. But maybe if I can, uh, maybe I can answer that from a more, uh, global perspective if uh, if I can will we need a chalkboard or some kind of uh, <laughs> well what, what I'm talking about is the uh, the absolute privilege it's been and continues to be uh, working with the talent that has so graciously uh, agreed to come and play in this thing with us we have quite the embarrassment of riches as far as the uh, talent available to us here both locally and elsewhere that's it's 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 kind of like I don't know for me it's like unwrapping a present every every time I get to uh, work with one of our comrades here it's it's always going to be surprising and wonderful to see what kind of uh, amazing thing they bring to uh, each opportunity here. Yeah, I gotta say, man, I can't remember ever working in a gig that had so many damn talented folks, and not only that, but generous as hell too. It's kind of awesome, really. So that's been a highlight. Well, what's been a low light then? I can tell you. I can tell you. Besides working with me. Yeah. <laughs> yes, I can, I can tell you. I can tell you specifically what that was. Uh, it was both a challenge and a, an unfortunate really? uh, situation. Yeah. This goes back to a show called The Sloshy Bits. And this is like show eight. And it was March uh, of 2015. And this show had really only been on in production for like three months, right? And I experienced a flood in this domicile. Oh yeah! And uh, it 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 put us it put us down, folks. Uh, we kept going, you know, and it's documented. That's kind of the reason I wanted to to go on there is that it was. But there was literally no heat in this place. In in you know, this is Oregon, so it's still kind of nippy in March. Believe it or not, it's a little so we didn't have anything like that, and we had like twenty two inches of water out there uh, that was uh, from a burst water main that had. I gotta tell you. I thought that was the end of the show. Yeah. Good night, everybody. Yeah, it could have been. Uh, luckily, this facility here was not was not damaged, but it was mere inches away from uh, coming in here and doing some serious mess. So that was a that was a low. But you know, again, if you go back and listen to that show, I, it's kind of the the spirit that goes on in this world. In in that, yes, you can embrace the things that are going on around you, but. It's a show, folks. You know, that's a thing, too. I mean, yeah, it's a show, and we do our show stuff, but it's also a window into what's going on in our lives, better or worse, that makes it what it is, I think, anyway. So, what's on the horizon for Fusebox, then? Uh, here's what I would like to have happen. Put a lot of energy and time into this into this program, not only to the, the live interaction stuff, but also the bits and all that kind of stuff. I would love to see us have someone in the in the very near future 
takeover control for some of this social media stuff that... Uh, social media? What the hell is that? I don't know, but, you know... I don't even have a mobile phone. <laughs> I know, but, you know, the point being that, that that wheel is sort of neglected, at least in in a proper way, and I'd love to see that energized. And I'd love to see uh, some of the concepts that we have we have floated in this program take take flight as either animated things because I, I think some of them are as you know we sign off until our next cartoon because the the philosophy has been since day one that it, that really is it's an audio cartoon in many many ways uh, yes we can have somewhat coherent conversations like this but other times wait. This is coherent? Well, no one told me. Okay, well, it depends how much hash you've had. But <laughs> there are times where it's, it, it isn't. A, a person is being turned into ground coffee or whatever. But right. it's okay to, uh, to exhibit both of those things. And I love that. I love the, the removal of the fourth or sometimes fifth wall because I think that's a, that's a good thing. But I'd love to see some of these concepts actually realized as uh, animated characters. I frankly, I think this whole show could be an animated thing. I don't know. I'm crazy. That's a great idea. So, how do you hope people will remember the show? Say this thing ended suddenly because of a tragic blimp accident. How would you like folks to remember this show? As something that was extremely creative and fun. You know, I because I I think that is definitely at the part of it. We we've been poignant from time to time, but I think overall. The energy of entertainment is huge in this show and in terms of just being a creative force, just uh, having fun with it, taking the walls out. Um, yeah, I was going to say, I didn't think we had walls. I know. Well, there's a guy that wants to build one in case, I don't know, if you heard of him. Yeah. Okay, question 15 then. Who is your celebrity crush you'd like to knock boots with? <laughs> Oh, man. Well, um, listen, and this is no joke. I got to say, hands down, for me right now, it's uh, Rachel Brosnahan, who plays uh, Midge Maisel on the uh, Amazon Prime series, The Marvelous Mrs. Maisel. (laughs) She's cute as a button, got to say. And she's got spunk. Or maybe that's moxie, I don't know. But uh, definitely Ms. Brosnahan. So you dig the redhead, huh? <laughs> well, it, it, it would appear so. Uh, I, I, I didn't know that was a thing, but uh, I guess it is. And uh, uh, she was uh, previously in a, in a uh, Netflix series called House of Cards, playing a completely and totally different character. And uh, from uh, what I've read about her, she, uh, she was pretty much sure that the character that uh, she was asked to audition for, the, the Miss Maisel character, uh, came up, she she was sure she wasn't going to get it. She was absolutely the wrong type for that character because she didn't get cast for that kind of thing very often. Great choice and a great show too. So, you know, award-winning even. So if you haven't checked that out, folks, seriously advise uh, checking out the marvelous Mrs. Maisel on uh, Amazon Prime. Rachel the Red it is then. Okay, so here's number 18 coming at you. Which superhero or villain do you most identify with? That's good. Um, <laughs> Doctor Strange. <laughs> <laughs> How did I know that? How did I know that? <laughs> uh, yeah. I, you know, I love Doctor Strange, but I, you know, the movie, not so much, as much as I appreciate uh, Cuthbertson, I think is amazing. Uh, that script was a little bit left us wanting, but... The character, love that character. Love that character forever. Back in the 1960s, when this thing first came out, it was drawn by a guy named Steve Ditko, who was one of my favorite uh, comic artists at the time, still is. He put the phantasmagorical into this character. It was completely metaphysical and completely out of its mind, and nobody had seen anything like this. This is before psychedelia. This is way before that. Yeah, you're using a lot of those $37 words again. I'm telling you, that's these mushrooms. I just, they are so, (laughs) so good. But anyway, definitely Dr. Strange. Question 19. Who would have won a fight between Robert Crumb and Stan Lee? (laughs) 
<laughs> I think it's Stan. Um, <laughs> he's fast, but I don't think, you know, so Stan would take the piano stool and just bludgeon him, you know, senseless. Oh, so Stan would have been a cheater. I think he would have just clobbered him. Yeah, it's a, it's a horrible thought. But yeah, that's what it is. I, I don't really know either, really. <laughs> but I have to agree. And he, even though Stan, you know, apart from being dead, he was 112 years old, I, <laughs> I'd still have to put my money on uh, on old Stan there. <laughs> yes. <laughs> All right, question 20. You're... A talented musician. So who are your top five overrated bands of all time? Oh, Jesus. Well, this is great. Five most overrated. Uh, You know, Milt, you should put this up on Facebook. You know, that's not a bad idea. How can I create the most amount of chaos in a single post? Well, people get into fistfights over this. Oh, yeah, yeah. All right, well, <clears throat> well, let's see. Um, okay, a uh, s- uh, slight qualifier here. Uh, this this uh, first band that comes to mind uh, didn't really start out as overrated, at least not to me, but uh, became a radio-friendly mover unit when a uh, key member left. The band was Genesis, and right after Peter Gabriel left, it went straight to M.O.R., and mega bigness, and uh, I think just lost a, a lot of the stuff that made them what they are. Uh, you know, if you want to know what they are, check out Selling England by the Pound to see what I'm talking about. And then, you know, Invisible Touch, you can see what the contrast is. Probably one or two folks who don't know who Peter Gabriel even is. Well, that huge hit, Sledgehammer, put him into the fast lane there, too. I mean, everybody had an idea who Peter Gabriel was at that point. And uh, it could have had the same effect, but didn't. Okay. Number two? Okay. Um, all right, let's see. Uh, oh, yeah, all right. Uh, okay, again, it's going to be another similar thing here. The band Fleetwood Mac. Now, I loved Fleetwood Mac back in the Peter Green days. And that, after all, uh, he started this band in the first place. It was great. Had some blues influences, and then you get these epic tracks like Oh Well off of uh, Then Play On, and just just a lot of interesting directions in that early band. And uh, then you get the Armor Meat Queen and her goat-warbling vocals, and uh, I'm out of it. You know, to some, them there's fighting words, son. Maybe, maybe, just saying. Number three. Uh, okay. Uh, out of the box, let me just say, I, I really admire these guys as musicians and people. Uh, saw a documentary on them. Absolutely loved it. The music? Eh. So gotta add Rush to the list with that qualifier. Well, there goes our Canadian audience. <clears throat> Four? Radiohead. Enough said. Five? <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay, all right, all right. Um, most EDM. No, kidding. Hey, now. No, 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 last would be uh, for me. <laughs> Seriously, have you ever wondered about that EDM stuff? I mean, you know, we're talking about electric dance music or electro dance music or whatever you want to call it. I mean... They have more subclassifications for every fracking sound style. You know, trance, jungle, deep house, navel gazing. I mean, it's so absurd to me. Like, what is the difference between this hi-hat pattern here in this uh, deep trance house fire track and the exact same hi-hat track in this dubstep thing? Answer? For the dubstep version, he wasn't wearing pants. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. I'm sorry. Anyway, last and certainly at the end, for me, anyhow, would be Leonard Skinnerd. <laughs> <laughs> yes, the stadium-filling, bic-lighter-clicking purveyors of free-bird-flapping poot. Sorry. 
I said it. I mean it. I continue to mean it. And now, next question. (laughs) All righty then. Hopefully the uh, Society for the Preservation of Mean-Spirited Bar Bands won't come looking for you. Question 21, along the same lines. What are your top five overrated films of all time? Oi. Well, <laughs> well, since we may have started a dumpster fire, it might as well make it a, a full-blown apocalypse, right? Huh? Let's just dive in there, shall we? Okay, number one, top of the list, without even thinking. Gone with the wind. <laughs> you think? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, sorry, never made it for me. It, it, it was huge in its enormous bigness. And then... Um, The second one might be uh, a Kubrick film, which uh, I I think it came just after 2001, which is a horrible place to start if you're going to do a film like Barry Lyndon, a period piece that was, I don't know, three and a half hours or something. I don't even know, but I... uh... Yeah, I don't know that one. Big surprise. (laughs) Yeah, we should all be so lucky. And and, and then there's this uh, French film by a, a guy who was, well, actually quite brilliant much of the time. But this thing, made in USA by Jean-Luc Godard, I, I swear, man, I, have, I actually bought this thing. I tried watching it three times, and I just, I just can't get through it. And I've been known to be fascinated by watching Oatmeal Boil. So... Yeah, it's not looking good for old Jean-Luc there. <laughs> <laughs> And and I'm going to throw all the cards here and screw up the numbering, but all of the following Star Wars incarnation. Yes, that's correct. All of them. The reason folks even remotely like one or two of those sequels is because, Madge, if you would... You're soaking in it. See, our nostalgia for that series, particularly if you were younger which I wasn't <laughs> when the first one, episode three or four or whatever it was, came out in the, in the late 70s, then you're imprinted with a sort of forgiveness towards the, you know, the, the ensuing sequels. But uh, not for me. Some of the worst dialogue I have ever heard in my life in uh, one or two of those things. Holy Christ. That right there? That's the sound of the remaining audience. I calls them as I sees them. Well then, moving on to question 22. Home stretch here, son. Mm-hmm. The Big Mac or the Whopper? What's the better burger? For me, the Whopper. Dang, I did not expect that. Now, I would have been prepared to wager just about everything I own, which isn't much that you would have said never tried either one of them. Nope, the Whopper. And I had I had my share of them, trust me. And uh, since you're so emphatic about that, I won't ask you to uh, elaborate at all. Here's what I will elaborate on. The next time you're at a corner at a red light and there's a, there's a, a Burger King on the corner, smell deep. Smell deep into that smell. And you'll realize that the thing that you're thinking is broiled meat is burning plastic. I'm just saying. Just smell deep. Wait, what? Burning plastic? That's really what that smell is. Smell it deep and you'll see what I mean. Just my tip. Little friendly, friendly tip. Wow. Well, more things to ponder while sitting at red lights. All right, question 23. What thought keeps you up at night? (sighs) Well, it's not a fear as, as much as a uh, thought-provoking notion, I guess. Uh, it involves this, uh, uh, quote, matrix we live in. No, not the movie. But the projected reality we all find ourselves in. That's right. I said projected reality. I, I question it all the time. What the hell is this thing that we're all living in? And is it real? Or is it Memorex? Really? Yeah. 
How could we actually know? I mean, the only experiences we can recall are from the same source. <laughs> we, we don't actually have another, quote, life to compare it to. Not that that would be any proof either, but... So, like right now, do you feel real? Perfectly real. Do I? How would I know how you feel? Only you would know how you feel. How would I know? Exactly. Well, what do you hope the answer is? Well, my desire would be that uh, we all generate this reality moment to moment. Okay. I'm going to let that sit right there. I got to tell you, I got chills on that one. Okay. Question 24. Chemtrails. Real or some crackpot hippie conspiracy theory invention? Milt, this should be your question. <laughs> <laughs> but all right, but but let me say let me say this thing. Uh, at, at least to me, it, it, this is is not really a hoax. To be honest with you, the Air Force themselves even copped to it a few years ago, but stated that uh, they were attempting to uh, to do ozone layer repair. Right? Which sounds even more like a load of yak dwiffles. You know what I'm saying? No, I, I think they are real, and personally, I have no idea what it's actually for. I do. I know. But isn't this supposed to be all about me? Isn't it always? <laughs> <laughs> Indeed. <laughs> okay, since we're into uh, speculation, here's question 25. Now, who would you rather fuck? Kellyanne Conway... Or Sarah Huckabee Sanders. Oh, dear God. <laughs> well, <clears throat> well, see, Sarah has the flounder eye syndrome thing. I, I, I don't do fish at all. You know what I'm saying? In the, in the, I didn't know you were a vegetarian. Yeah, I just... Uh, Kellyanne it is. I'd reckon. Followed immediately by... Question 26. What do you think the biggest misconception about you is? Oh, biggest misconception. That's a great question there. Yeah, I got to say, I pulled a muscle coming up with that one. Yeah, brilliant. Really is. Uh, well, <laughs> uh, oh, well, all right. Well, one thing that's occurred on more than uh, one occasion involves the uh, film library upstairs, which is uh, fairly extensive and specific. Stunt porn by year and actor. Now cut that out. <laughs> no, I, I think sometimes folks get the idea that I may like, you know, this kind of mainstream thing or maybe a thriller or a science fiction thing or two or nine, but when they get up there... And take a gander at the range of weirdness on display from uh, from ultra mainstream to uber obscure. Uh, it's been known to cause a reshuffling of their ideas concerning my tastes in film. Anyway, <laughs> it's uh, it's quite eclectic, and and uh, everything that is up there has a uh, historic reason for being there. Even if it, even if it wasn't a wondrous cinematic achievement, like. Ed Wood comes frolicking to mind. But uh, the film may have other qualities that make it unique, so that's why it's there. Okay, yeah. Yeah, I can see that. Actually had that effect on me the first time I saw it. You know, that that was really early on when I was, you know, first started working with you on this show. You didn't have Love Camp of the SS, though. So I did have my suspicions about your collection. Yeah, some things are more acquired taste than others, I suppose. Okay, here it comes. The Big 27. And final question. If you could hang out and chat with one person, living or dead, who would it be? This, of course, is the easiest question you have asked over the course of this entire thing. Really? Yeah. I didn't know that when coming up with these questions. Nope. There is really, truly, and anybody who has followed this show knows that that one person, without question, without taking a second beat, and the beat is uh, very apropos here, that would be Frank Zappa. There is no question in my mind that if I could spend an hour and a half with that guy and just uh, pick his brain, it would be a fun, fun time. Beyond even the music, 
it was his philosophy of life, the credo that he used, which, uh, and I can, I can tell you what his credo was, and I've, I've, I always love that. He says that uh, the first thing you do in life is you don't stop. The second thing in life you do is keep moving forward. Now, anybody who says <laughs> that's their credo, that's an awareness is basically what that is. Eyes wide open. Yeah, that's a really good philosophy to have. Oh, damn. What? That's it. You're done, bro. Oh, okay, good. Great. Excellent. So, so what's the matter? You didn't get to face the spatula. I'm kind of disappointed. Well, there's always next time. I guess. Well, anyway, happy anniversary, amigo. You know, I've, I've really had a great time, and, and I want to thank you guys for letting me uh, tag along for the ride. It's been a smile, really. Oh, it, it has indeed been a very, very real pleasure, my friend. And I'm serious when I said uh, we couldn't do the show without you. That is... Well, I appreciate that. This opportunity uh, couldn't have come at a better time, bro. And like I said, I... I want to make a, a little more of an effort to do uh, more for the show, too. Oh, so is that your uh, New Year's resolution as we uh, head into 2019 here? Hell no. My New Year's resolution is to have that threesome with Marcy and the Video Vixen. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what the hell was I thinking? Seriously, dude. <laughs> <laughs> well, happy anniversary, Milt, and uh, happy New Year. Right back at you, Padron. And with that, that will do it for us, friends. We'll take our anniversary wagging behinds out the door and right into oncoming traffic, but not before once again saying thanks to uh, all of the folks who have helped us over these uh, preceding four years and will hopefully... Agree to continue their generosity over the next incarnation of this program. Well, does that mean they have to die? Oh, I'm sure they all die a little every time they participate. You know what I mean? (laughs) And of course, thanks as always to you, friends, for pushing play for the last four years. We wouldn't and couldn't do this thing without you. So thank you again for pushing play. I have been your already-in-progress host, Mark Rose, saying until our next cartoon. All right. Uh, by the way, uh, the wheel? Yeah, what about it? Well, you said 27 questions. Right. I spun the wheel and it stopped on 27. Right. But 27 was the only number. See? You had to ask 27 questions. I got bored. Too much work, man. Plus, I I ran out of paint. So why not just go by? 27. The wheel has spoken.